Hello, Ecstatic Dance uh, podcast. Uh, I'm here with uh, Tom Goldhunt. Uh, Tom, uh, maybe you you uh, introduce yourself. Okay. Who are uh, you and what do you do? Who am I? Um, well, I have a few titles, a few hats. I saw myself and I see myself as a dancer primarily and a dance teacher, dance maker. Uh, so I'm giving session mostly in dance. Um, a few of my hats is the dance improvisation performer or content improvisation teacher. And of course, why the reason why we are here is an ecstatic dance facilitator. Mm-hmm. Also in the last few years a DJ, but mostly facilitator. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is basically my few juggling hats in the field of dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also knew as a ceremony leader, as uh, what we also call facilitator, and you're also uh, one of the founders of Ecstatic Dance Amsterdam, together with Chanto, yeah, is that? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, Chanto brought Ecstatic Dance to uh, Europe, to Amsterdam, roughly, actually exactly almost 11 years. So this Sunday we are celebrating 11 years. Yeah. And this was uh, in Club Light, one of the yeah, one of the mecca places of uh, conscious clubbing scene and, and to be ecstatic dancing. And he brought uh, two other DJs, Karim and Iradi, and myself at the beginning, to really form the, the concept of ecstatic dance as we brought it from the States. It was a little bit different in the States. What they had there was a class, actually. So they had a class of either yoga or content improvisation for an hour, and then basically coming together and starting the music, mm-hmm. creating a circuit and starting the music. And what we decided to do is to create one big or ma- one more cohesive experience with half an hour of people walking into the music and then half an hour of a ceremony to really bring everybody together and then set them into the journey of the music for the DJ and closing it again together. So we really try to create almost like a ritual and this worked very well and after a year or two years of Amsterdam being like the big mecca for people coming from Belgium or the edges of, of, of Holland which was we were always surprised to see like you just drove three and a half hours to come to dance for two hours and to come back um, yeah then after that it basically started to pop up in many other places so Holland and Belgium Berlin and in Spain and So you started uh, 2013? Something like that, 2012. Ah, yeah, 2012 actually, 11 years. Yeah, exactly 11 years ago. At that time there were only, I think, in Barcelona maybe, with Arun, Mm -hmm. and Pascal was Berlin. Mm -hmm. And we decided to do that um, regularly, on a weekly basis. And it just exploded. It was, it became a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon in the state, and now it became a phenomenon um, in Europe, in mm-hmm. Amsterdam. And yeah, that's basically how it started here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I was there from 2014. I stepped into Club Light. It changed my life. I was dancing before. I was doing ecstatic dance in Australia and five rhythms and stuff. But when I arrived at Club Light, I was Actually, my jaw literally dropped. I was shocked yeah. in a really good way. And then I came twice a week. I moved to Amsterdam. And yeah, you were one of the, the, the pillars. And, and now when I hold space, you know, I'm, I'm many things I do inspired by you. And sometimes I don't even remember that. So when I 
when I attend one of your uh, uh, rituals, one of the ceremonies, I'm like, ah, I got this from you. So yeah, really, uh, really lots of gratitude for that. I see also other people do some of these things. I'm like, ah, oh, we, we got it from Tom. So that's... And there are some phrases that I recognize and, and it's, maybe I said that and they pass it on further, which is really nice, like specific words or specific phrases. And some of it is, is like, we share that in a sense. Yeah. We also have training for people who want to facilitate, people who mm -hmm. want to bring it forward. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's a, there a lot of uh, intention and attention that is brought into the space. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we say that from the outside view, it looks like a very simple event. Like two hours or two and a half hours or three hours of dancing, nobody talks, it's just a DJ, there's a ceremony or a warm-up in the beginning and a closing at the end. We like to say that ecstatic dance is the easiest event to create and the hardest event to create right. Because there's a lot of things under the hood of this engine that people that are not aware of what's going on in the space will not see. Mm -hmm. At the end of the event they will say, wow, this was amazing or something happened to me, but they will not know why it happened. Mm -hmm. And once you know it, you can tweak it. You can change according to the people, according to the crowd, and every night it's different, every crowd is different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing you also know that every city has its own vibe, yeah. every community, and mainly if it builds up week after week, get to start to have a community vibe, or what we call the tribe. Mm -hmm. um, we also have a saying that um, the tribe creates the vibe, and the vibe creates the tribe. Yeah. So it's basically it's like a circle or a spiral that goes up or left or right. Mm -hmm. That's that's a good point. So so what is ecstatic dance for you? Yeah, that's a question that uh, I still ask myself because it's a changing as well. It's it's a live thing. What is it for you now? Okay. Um, so for me now, it's it's a practice. It really is a practice, and that's actually one of the things that has been with me for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It's a practice of movement. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm doing it, which means when I'm dancing, it, 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 I allow it to go through me and, and just to, to move what needs to be moved. Mm -hmm. When I'm facilitating or digging, it's a little bit different. You aim to create a movement. You aim to create one big body, as we call it, and allow each person or each body there basically to dance and move how they need and want. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can say that it goes crazy and it goes a lot of this, but that's that's like the details. That's Sometimes it can go like that and sometimes it can go very quietly. But the idea is it's a practice of movement. And once you see it as a practice, it becomes a bit more than a party. And it becomes something that you're committed to. It becomes something that you do on a regular basis. It becomes something that is important for you. And the same as people who do martial arts will not create it, will not call it fighting. They will call it a practice of martial art. Mm -hmm. And so that's basically what ecstatic dance is for me. And of course, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I've had my highest moment of fun and my highest moment of despair, anger, um, all of these emotions that we sometimes call bad or not pleasant, um, you bring them to the dance floor. And this we really saw it also, if you talk about the beginning, it was very interesting to see. Uh, in the beginning, people are 
was were regular, you know, were accustomed to come to a party when they're feeling good. So if you're happy and you're very like, yeah, everything is nice in my life, let's go party. And what happened in ecstatic dance in Amsterdam in the first few months or a year, people came with that attitude in the beginning. But after a few months, they also came when their mood was different. Realizing later that their mood changed. So basically, this is like a very big washing machine. You come with each stains on your clothes or on your mind or on your mood. And after two and a half hours of dancing, it's a little bit different. And then people really came a lot when they had like shitty mood. It was really interesting to see. You open the doors and 30% of the people come with a face who are like, Ooh, okay, this will be interesting today. Yeah. So for them, I also know that it is a practice of not only coming there on the high notes when they're happy, but to come there every week with, the, with whatever they have doing their life at that moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I agree. I said, you know, the same thing the, the, the other day in North Germany, and somebody came to me afterwards and he said, yeah, one of my, my best friends just died, you know, like two days earlier, and I came. Mm -hmm. And for me, this is, yeah, of course, we, you know, we shout and we scream and we dance. And, but sometimes it, it's those moments of, of, the, of the heavy emotions that we clear on the dance floor. Yeah. And that's also very important. I mean, exciting dance here is, is 11 years, but those emotions for me, um, I started dancing like 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I was professional dancer at the time, and then now much more teaching or working with dance as a dance maker. Um, but as soon as I had some emotional stuff in, in my life, I was going to the studio. Yeah. So this is the place to move, to yeah. move through things and to move things. And the interesting thing is also when, when we started with ecstatic dance, I was in the middle of my uh, Master for Dance Therapy. And I was, remember saying to my colleagues at, at education, you need to come there because what we are learning here is actually happening there. It's like live, you can see all of the phenomena from people having ecstatic to people also sometimes dissociate and people bring their demons to fight in dance. And, mm -hmm. um, so it was a very good education both ways. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot from ecstatic dance on the in, in Club Light regarding the practice that I was learning in the university and mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So you say ecstatic dance is a practice, and it's yeah. something to, like a washing machine for, for emotions. It can be. Yeah. So a lot of people doesn't come for that, they come yeah. for the party, yeah. which is perfectly fine. We create a lot of energy like that. Yeah. Uh, some people can see it as a practice, and some, you have so many ranges. People will come for so many different reasons. Um, and, and everybody in that sense is welcome. You want to dance, you want to move, you have a body, good enough. Yeah. That's it, good enough. Yeah. Um, for me, it is a practice. Yeah. yeah. I, I love this about ecstatic dance. And yeah, sometimes it's like, I, I want to, I'm a dancer as well, not you know trained and educated and, and whatever, but it's like, I, I need to dance. Yeah. I'm going to dance tonight. It's going to be my fourth uh, dance in a week. And and in the beginning of the week, the fifth one was the one that I, I DJed. Mm -hmm. And also this is and I can't I can't wait, you know, for for, for for tonight, you know. 
I'm going to say the same DJ twice, even, you know, in, few, in, in four days. So, yeah, definitely. And um, I see sometimes a really, I would say, too much uh, emphasis on the therapeutic healing thing and ecstatic dance. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, for me, it becomes a bit heavy, it becomes a bit... Stay, it's less fun and it's less and, and suddenly I was the one saying you know it's healing it's therapy it's a practice and, and suddenly I'm saying hey hey guys just you know lighten up yeah. and also if you want to speak yeah. a little bit so about first that. of all I would not say that it's therapy I would call it therapeutical thank you big difference thank in, you. especially to put the place for dance therapy in its place and the place for aesthetic dance in its place um, and yes, it really depends on the community and the organizer from which field they are coming. Mm -hmm. If they will have a lot of therapeutic aspects in their life, either being a therapist or, or being a shamanic or being from the shamanic world, they will bring that. It's very <laughs> or, clear. Or, or being traumatized. Could be, yeah, that can also be. Um, for example, when we in Amsterdam, it, was, it, it came from a DJ. Like, Shanto is a DJ. And one of the godfathers that we call it for conscious dancing in, in, in Holland. Yeah. So that was the main thing. It was a DJ from the 80s or something, I, yeah. I, I imagine. He had yeah. some, some experience in his back. Yeah. Uh, and in that sense, I brought the other side. Okay, let's bring that. But you need to balance it. If it tilts more to a DJ party, it loses a lot of its aspect that is really needed yeah. or wanted or, or that, that create the colors of it. And if it goes too much into the therapeutic aspect, it loses its other wing, which is really good music, and allow that to do the job. So you don't need too much of a holding the space in the sense of let me carry you. No, the music and the community does the job. You don't need a lot of, um, and, and I do say that in, in a sense now that you don't need a lot, you need a little, uh, smudging in the beginning, and creating a very big uh, emphasized ceremony with big words from different worlds that is not necessarily connected to everybody there. Um, so in that sense, you need to balance it. And if it goes too much into one side, you start to lose people and it starts to create a very different vibe there, mm -hmm. either to the party place or to the therapy sessions. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that how people are organizing the space. You can see that you can see that immediately as you go in, you will feel it. If it's yeah. a party, if it's heavy, if it's light, if it's uh, if you've been to a few ecstatic dance, you can also start to compare. This is much more like that. This is much more like this. Uh, you will have your favorites, uh, and that's one of the things that we really liked about creating the first one here. We aim to cater for everybody, not in the sense that we're going to please everybody, but in the sense that everybody needs to come. Mm -hmm. So if you're a yogic, if you're a tantric, if you're a shamanic, if you're a lawyer, if you're a high-tech person, dance is for everybody. And if you uh -huh. aim for specific kind of people, basically the other kind of people in that sense will not come. And what we wanted is to create kind of a community for the people that I'm going to say something that I'm might going to get some uh, feedback. Uh, in Dutch they say Zweiverich, or floaty people, hippie people, to ground them a little bit. Come, ground, it's very nice. You already have one reaction. Yes. <laughs> for the people who are only on the ground, let's say, and again, we'll get a different reaction. 
bankers, lawyers, this is a, almost a nut set, but people who have not a lot of connection to dance, different kind of worlds up there, come. Emotion, meet. expression, yeah. yeah. Exactly that. Come, meet, it's really nice. Connect, play together, dance together. This is a, a international language. You don't need to talk, so anybody can, from different places, can just immediately connect to you Even if after you're gonna say hello and he or she's gonna say hola and you have, you're not able to exchange any word together for two hours you were talking together in the same language uh, and that creates a much bigger um, connection I think there's a saying if you want to know a, a person there's two saying for that one of them come from martial arts you need to fight them like actually fight them. <laughs> we take it and say if you really want to know a person you need to dance with them yeah. Um, and you and, and yeah you get a much better connection and you get to know them in a different levels yeah. this can lie yeah this cannot or oh, very very hard professional actors can but in general yeah this will not lie yeah um, I forgot the question but we are no there. this is this is uh this is now you know this is, yeah. this is beautiful and I I deeply resonate and um, Esther Poliester was also a guest on the on the uh, podcast and one of my teachers and mentors and you know she said we are spoiled yeah. because we danced at, in club life yeah. in static dance Amsterdam yeah. and we compare everything to there and, and for me I'm trying not to say right and wrong when I see other things in the world because I'm like no in Amsterdam they do it like this but also I can explain what's yeah. good in the way that Amsterdam does it so for me yeah I'm like in philosophy you have the whatever the school of some some city or whatever mm -hmm. I am the Amsterdam school you know yeah. this is And also, it's not just because uh, you had uh, some idea that you dreamt in the middle of the night and you thought, ah, oh, let's do it, it's going to be cool. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that, that I love um, chatting about things with you and having you here on, on the podcast is that you can explain many, many things. Why? Okay? It's not like just yeah. uh, your intuition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is basically like intuition, you're talking about the body. For me, this is a connection of body and mind. So yeah. once you know why, you embody it much better. Yeah. So your words have meaning and your words have weight, yeah. which is very different. Because everybody can just say the words, feel your chakra, or I invite you, or come, let's say, circle and hold hands. But if you know why you're doing all of this, and if you actually lived and embodied that, people will feel that and resonate. Yeah. When somebody tells me, for example, let's feel the ground and ground ourselves, and they're not grounded, nothing happens. Yeah. Like, let's no. feel the ground. You will not believe him or her. So yeah. your body will say that immediately, I don't believe you. Yeah. And if, you, if the person who says that actually is there and know why he or she is doing that, boom, they can take you there. That's the role of the facilitator. That's the role of a teacher or facilitator or ceremony leader in that sense. Um, so yeah, knowing why really helps you to, to carry the things and knowing how to change things. So if something goes wrong, which means you plan something, it never goes as you planned because you have 150 people in, in, in the dance floor and they all do different stuff. Uh, so you know how to improvise with it and how to take it left and right. Yeah. In general, what we want to do is to bring people first to their body, to connect to what we call me, like the person inside the water coming, 
to connect to each other on a personal level, finding others, and then to create, even if it's unconsciously for them, the big body, which is everybody there. If you meet all of these three points, you can do like a check, give it to the DJ, they're ready, now you can take them to different places, and they're open to meet different places, different um, music styles, and go again into me, like meditation style or therapy room if you want to call it they can lie down on the floor we have lots of that as well yeah. or dance just by themselves or dance just by themselves or connect to each other that's the you mm-hmm. and mostly in the peak moments you will see the big body when it goes like boom everybody there yeah and so if you um, set like the, a group cohesion yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that. so the group you know, and you can really see everybody whoop and when it's not happening, you will see what we call sometimes popcorn or bubbly space. Bubble space. Between some are very much into the you or in a, a connected to one, another is close to themselves. A group of 20 people going like hoopity poop and shouting. The space is very scattered. Yeah. Not bad, not good. It can be very different. Once you really feel that everybody is doing this journey, ending mm-hmm. up, ending together usually on the floor after two and a half hours or two hours of dancing and they will not know why but at the end they will say wow this was an amazing journey this was like wow yeah so that's what we, we aim with whatever we do and there's many ways to get there <clears throat> but if you just do an exercise or let's, let's just warm up the body it doesn't work it doesn't necessarily work uh, you might have a, a good day and it will work, and a bad day it will not work, and you will not know why. So when I'm going to uh, other ecstatics or other places, or when I'm leading, it's like, check the space, feel it. Very, that's the first thing. Check the space and feel it. Talk to the people, know in advance what is the organizer view of ecstatic dance, what do they bring as a team. And then as people enter, sense what's happening in the space. Because you have your own playlist, you can play with that, you can sing it more, even in the beginning, the first album. And then you come together and you're acknowledging that we are coming together. This is the beginning of a practice. It's funny, the other day people told me, one woman told me in Ecstatic Dance, that I've been doing this for 11 years now, and she said, lately, like, I come here and I know what you're going to say, because you're saying the same things over and over. And I said, you're right. In the first four years of, of this practice, I was inventing all of these different kinds of exercises for the beginning. Now, I was a dance improvisation, I am a dance improvisation teacher, so I have lots of... A very, a very good dance improvisation teacher. Thank you. I have lots of uh, tools in my kit, so it was really nice to see, let's see how I do this exercise, which I usually do with 20 people, with 150. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, let's be honest. Um, but after four years, it's like I realized these are all of these tricks. It's cute, it's nice, but the base of it is one. So I'm just gonna do the base, and that's it. Very rarely, if, if something is needed in the space, I'm gonna take again something from my toolkit and, and play with that colors, uh, connecting joints, connecting to each other. But and the basic is the basic, and it just really saying where I am. So I am correct with what I'm saying, I'm mean, embodying my modes, and where the people are. And what it also does, it creates safety. It creates the container 
for the freedom of the dance and the DJ to do all of the new tricks, new stuff, new music. Your role as a facilitator, as a ceremony leader, is to create safety in the container of the space. Their job is to fill it with light, music, and from time to time to break and expand it. Um, so yeah, when she, when she brought me that feedback, she said it's really nice to get that actually, because it creates for me, ah, I can breathe. And of course, I know for other people, they will say, he's doing the same thing over and over again, it's kind of boring. And that's also okay. Luckily, I'm not the only ceremony leader in town, there's many more. Right now, I'm actually doing a bit less of that. Um, so they can I miss you. I miss you under that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's not yeah, good. I hear this. I hear the same thing you've been saying, and some something inside me goes like, ah, because because yeah, there is something you know. I come from you know tantric tradition and tantric practices, and not just about sexuality, but things that people have been doing for hundreds and maybe thousands of years, over and over and over again. Yeah. And there's something that that you've been doing it for so so long, it has an energy by itself. Yeah. That's so, very true. You can feel if a person has done this practice, or any practice, just by the way that they stand in the room. Same with Aikido, same with martial arts, same with dance. You'll go into the studio, you'll say, performance. Any performance that has been on stage, and you put them on the studio, normal studio for them, you see they've done it. Mm-hmm. They've been into the arena, we call it, which is a very different thing. Yeah, it's and easy to be on the, on the rafters, to, to be in the audience and, and yes. judge. I've done, I've done that. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and when we train people, we train them. It's really nice to train for, for DJ or for a uh, facilitator. And, and I do that with two other amazing colleagues, Leon Becks and Carolina Sejal, also amazing people. I'm going to see Caroline for the second time tonight. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to meet them tomorrow. So when, when we do that, we tell them, listen, it's very, very easy to judge from the outside when you're in the circle, the person who's standing in, in the middle and talking and actually trying to tell you, let's go there or that, or judge later the DJ. But once you're there, you will feel that even the simplest thing to do is not easy. Like we have a small exercise about asking the people to tell only the guidelines. Not a lot of creativity there, only the guidelines for ecstatic dance in the circle. They've heard it hundred times. They go in, they forget it. And then they go, oh, okay, maybe it's a little bit more tricky to actually lead people. And that's your job. You're leading people to allow them later to lead themselves. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's quite different when the person who has or who is doing that has a very big practice. They can just stand there, do... <sighs> And people will like, okay, somebody knows what's happening and they feel safe. Yeah. Is there too much safety? Is there a thing like too much yeah. safety on the dance yeah. floor? First of all, there's no such thing as, as, as a safe space. Let's be clear about that. It's, it's, it's nice, it's a wish, it's a, but it's, it's not there. You cannot create safe space because you, because you cannot control everything and you don't want to control everything. Plus, it makes it a little bit boring. Um, there's also what is called brave space, which means you want to go out of your comfort zone. If everything is very safe, you feel very loving and cuddly and in your own little cotton ball, but you don't learn. And new experience coming from venturing into the, what we call the learning zone and actually taking a brave step into this brave space. 
So it's a balance between that. You will also hear DJs, they're taking risks with different kinds of musics. For them it's very risky, but also for the crowd. So you really need to create this trust. And that's what safe space creates. You create safe enough space, not safe space, safe enough space for them to trust you. Mm-hmm. So when you're taking them into places where they wouldn't dare to go without this, they would actually do it, say, hey, this is fun, they will like it later, and it will become the new um, safe space. Mm-hmm. So they can go there much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, is there enough safe space? Is, is there too much safe space? In a sense, you need to really play with that. You cannot create that, you don't want to create that totally safe space and only because anything that it is not according to your view will be wrong yeah um, so a lot of um, practices that enter ecstatic dance like meditation and yoga tantric and shamanic and these kind of things they're not bad practices or behavior you just need to see if the space and the community can hold it for example different energetic Whatever comes up and down, you probably know that. Couples are in a very in, in a very in playing it out, let's say it like in, that. Intimate. <laughs> intimate and more than that. Yeah. Intimate is something that uh, I can be intimate with you just talking. Mm-hmm. Intimate and more than that. Acting things out. Meditation, people who want to lie down next to the DJ, sit in a crossed leg position in front of the speaker or in front of the, of the DJ or in, in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah. All of this is basically bringing stuff from their practice into something that they love, which is new for them, and it's ecstatic dance. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with these behaviors. It depends about the time and the place and how long and when and where. So what do you do when such things happen? As the, you are the ceremony leader in such a space, in the jungle, in the cup, yeah, or in different other places, you, you see what is the, if, if this is, so in the camp in the jungle or in Amsterdam, um, you, I know already the tribe, so I know what is common, I know what is beyond the community, what is, uh, what is not normal, what is not welcome there, mm-hmm. and sometimes you allow it because you want to show this is okay, mm-hmm. you know, people try new stuff, mm-hmm. this is brave, he or she has done something new here, which is great. Mm-hmm. When you see a behavior that creates a bubble, and that basically means two or three meters of the dance space around them, him or her, is being gone. So there's no dance, which is the practice. This is the main practice. Then you need to intervene. Mm-hmm. And you intervene in many ways. You go, you go dance next to them, you bring your own body there, and you clear that. I'm going to do like that energetically for a lack of a better world. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tap or, or talk to them in cases where they really don't understand why and what. Mm-hmm. Do you talk with them there and then no, on the dance floor? No. Do you do you like take, you take them out? Okay. You take them out. This is a good point because sometimes you know uh, team members start to talk with with uh, participants, and what mm-hmm. I usually yeah. say, try to do this non-verbally. No, yeah. So verbally, as, yeah, you know, the one of the guidelines is no talking on the dance floor. So you as facilitator or ceremony leader or DJ or team member, you need to show example. So you don't do that unless it's case of emergency, yeah. which happened as well, but mm-hmm. it's okay. And if it's not a case of emergency, you take them out. Talking is done outside the space. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's also very rarely happens, I have to say. There's a lot of bubbles in ecstatic dance. There's a lot. Okay, let's say not here, but in other places, if you... If you in other uh, places, it, it depends, again. And, and because if it's not your own venue, you don't know what the practice is. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, um, some places have talking. Mm-hmm. Some places have phones. And if they don't say it in the guideline, it's very, very hard to address that. Yeah. So that's why it's very important to set these are our guidelines. Yeah. And, and the behavior that no talking and, and no phones, it's there, it's clear. You can really say that, hey, thank you, but this is done outside and not here. Yeah. Different kind of behavior, it's it's a little bit more tricky to say no because beside the guidelines, everything is allowed. Yeah. And that's where it basically comes to you respect yourself. You respect the others, and us as a team are basic. We look if what is happening in the space serves the dance. If it serves the dance, if it's enlarged with movement, with connectivity and connection, great. If not, we'll sometimes allow it to happen, but we'll interfere if it goes too far, also regarding space and time. So that's really easy to see because the way of ecstatic dance is usually that there is no, uh, let's say, music style that lasts more than 20 minutes. We basically four tracks. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, so the way it goes like that. Yeah. Usually it's four tracks and, and the style changes. Sometimes it's more, sometimes yeah. it's less, but you can see that. Yeah. So if this behavior lasts, let's say, from a very quiet, very, very quiet um, melody and tracks and music, Mm-hmm. to the highest BPM and they are not aware that nothing that everything changed in the dance floor, yeah. they're not with us. Yeah. And then you can interfere. It's like yeah. okay. intervene basically. Yeah. Um I have something from, from earlier that you uh that you mentioned and it's also one of the things that I'm exploring. So as a as a DJ who's also an activist and a mentor for ecstatic dance, I'm trying to connect to, to my truth which is what serves the dance, what mm-hmm. serves the community, what serves the organizer, yeah. what is sustainable. You know, some, sometimes you can have a one-off event, but it's not yeah. sustainable. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I see in the field, and I have been to many countries, dozens, maybe hundreds of different events, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I see so much. And one of the things that I see is an over-new-age-iation, spiritualization of the field. And I say it with, not exactly mixed feelings, I say it with, with the fact that I come from these traditions. Yeah. I have done, you know, yoga and tantra and retreats and kirtan and bhajan and devotional singing and I, I love sage and palo santo and, you know, all of the mudras and the lingo the, and everything. Mm-hmm. But when I go to an ecstatic dance, and in the beginning, they make me do. They make everybody do aum for three times. Yeah. I'm like, uh, so, would you would you talk about that? Um, yes, that's that's a, that's the thing. And also, when again we train people to do that, we say that ecstatic dance is for everybody. So you really need to take care of your lingo, not to basically outside let people, yeah push people Exclude, outside. Yeah. And that's it, because they will come one time for the ceremony, and if we want to see that the ceremony is important to connect everybody, your lingo needs to include everybody. And what we say basically is, everybody has a body. Start with that. And if you're using a very spiritual word like Pachamama, 
or, or like you said, it's, like it's great for some people. They will like smile and love it. It's like, yay. And some people say, what the hell is he or she talking about? <laughs> I, was in, I was in, yeah, I can say, I was in Bali a few years ago. Yes. And I thought, if I'm going to hear the word Pachamama one more time, I'm, go, I'm just going to hit somebody. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, all of that stuff. Also, yeah. let's connect to love. It's like, you don't need to say that. I, when, I'm, when I'm leading, some people say like, I invite you to. No, I say what we do. But the underlying tone is, it's really an invitation. Yeah. So they hear that. And again, when I'm when we're saying connect to the or sense the ground, sense the flow. Yeah. But in my mind, I always say, okay, there's the people for the Pachamama, there's the people for that. So you really aim for everybody. From time to time, you can spice it up with different lingo for all of them, or for different. Yeah. So you can, yep, I know, I know your world. I know your world. I've been there, like you said. I've been there. I swam there. I know we that are still there, there. You know. Yes. And I've also been there, and I've also been there. It depends on which crowd you're going. Yeah. When I'm teaching dance to dance to the, in a dance academy, I'm not using that lingo. Yeah. My facade is very different. When yeah. I'm going to ecstatic dance, I'm spicing it with a very different lingo. Mm-hmm. But the aim is not to, to for only one section of people. Yeah. Uh, New Age is a very big, very, very big uh, field in that sense. So you also have dance few different yeah. prism and, and colors but the idea that if you only aim for the new age which is the n- most natural crowd for ecstatic dance they are the fuel of ecstatic dance they are usually the fire starters the energy the jokers that will bring the starters say okay what's happening here and you need them in that sense because they will tell the non-new age people it's like look how fun this is join the party and at the same time if it's only their party not all of the others will come, which is a shame. If you're talking about a mission to spread dance, you don't want to preach for the choir. It's yeah. like, they will come anyway. If not, they will do it themselves. They will do it anyway. They, they will dance in their house for ecstatic music. Yes. But if you want to connect people from different kind of ages, lifestyle, when there's places where you can see that the age is between 20 and 26, with a very different attitude, and let's yeah. say only hippie or new age. Yeah nice not my cup of tea in the sense that if i really want to create a big one it should serve everybody yes now the difference is when club light was there we were the only one yes so it was really important for us to have that field for everybody to be included and welcome and feeling at home challenge sometimes but at home you did that yeah you yeah, definitely did. We, we really tried and, and we were aware and we talked with the people in that sense of the team and the ceremony leaders and the DJ to say, okay, the last few editions was going really much into the shamanic thing. Let's see how we bring it a little bit here. Yeah. The last few editions were going on to the yogi and mindfulness people. Let's see how we move it there. Yeah. We really were aware of that. That's the why. And now when there's so many people and so many exciting dance, it's fine to have very different tastes. So yeah. even in Amsterdam, we have the Carpo, the jungle, which is serves everybody, and you have Odessa, which is a very nice, amazing boat that serves a different kind of crowd. Yeah. So different places will serve different kind of crowds, and once you know that in the larger field, everybody can find a place in dance, it's great. Yeah. It's enough. It's good. My preference, and then ecstatic dance as a one big um, event or one big uh, place, will be able to attract everybody and to actually create a connection between the people yeah 
and this is this is part that I love. Yeah, uh, you know the word inclusive is used a lot, mainly for LGBTQ. And for me, the inclusivity is the inclusivity of ages that yeah. definitely exist in the jungle and you know this this specific community. It's um it's inclusivity of different uh, walks of life. So we have the hippies and the bankers and and whatever uh, uh, different expressions. Uh, I would actually like to see more people of color. Yeah, true. I, even on, in Amsterdam, I see them on the street. I don't see them on ecstatic dance. That's so one true. of my my goals is to also bring that. Also, it's like uh, I play, you know, African, Brazilian, Afro Latin, whatever music, and it's like those people are not there. So, yeah. and I consider that what you have done and are doing is not spiritual; it's sacred. So I I feel the sacredness there, but without using the tropes, without using the lingos, without using the signifiers of the new age. And this is for me, ah, it's so nice, and I see how people react to that. Yeah. You know? Sacred is, is also a very, it's the same as, it's not the same, but it's, it's a very high, big, strong, heavy sometimes word. Mm -hmm. It basically means that your practice has an intention clear and you're following it. Yeah. So, and it's important. Mm -hmm. So if something is important for you, you can call it sacred. Yeah. Sacred comes from religion or, or, or a sacrifice and care and the heart. But it basically means that you're doing a ritual over and over. You've you thought about it so it's not an automation there's a reason and it's important for you to keep on doing that mm -hmm. and once you keep on doing that people will feel that mm -hmm. so you do that if there's 50 people you do that if there's 150 people and you do that also if there's four people and we had session not in club life but when you go outside that you go to the scene it's like okay we are going to dance now with five people done that yeah yeah, and also classes. It's like it doesn't matter. It's a yeah. weekly practice. Yeah. When you're in a shitty mood, when you're in a good mood, and then it becomes, uh, I'll use your word, sacred, because it's important, and you're continuing doing that. Mm -hmm. It's it, like I was having some talks with my brother. It's like I cannot say that improvisation is my religion because it's not. It's a very new religion in that sense or dance, but it exists, and I believe, and and in that sense. It is uh, practicing the sacred. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the other words that that um, I feel even to to describe you and the the this scene in ecstatic dance Amsterdam is it's embodied. There's yeah. a lot of embodiment, and it's really different. And like I say, some of the communities is just are in the center of the galaxy, or in the past lives, or in the ether, or in the akasha. Uh, it's human as well. Yeah. I feel it's very human. You bring, you bring the shit. You bring the joy. You bring all of that, and and this is why this is my blueprint. Um, I want to see that this is good. Yes. Okay. Um, something that is related to that. I DJed at some venue, okay, mm -hmm. and I had, I think, a nice DJ set. I was really excited about what I was doing, and I was. I invited you, you were able to, to join us, and uh, one of the things I really love about, about you and I really appreciate is, is how you give feedback. Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't just say, oh, I feel it was like this, you say, it was like this because of that. Mm -hmm. um, in that particular place, um, the altar was in the middle. Yeah. It was a big altar uh, with very beautiful altar. Lots of beautiful things on it. I don't remember what it was, but maybe it was crystals or, or, or candles or statues, Shiva, Parvati, whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And um, you came to me after the dance. And when you started talking to me, I remember I physically had to sit down because the weight of your words hit me so, so deeply mm -hmm. that, you know, in, in, in that, that specific event is part of other events were doing the, the, the same thing. So I would like you to, if you, if you remember, what, or some of what you say, or, or let's say what is the effect that evening or generally of having the, um, the altar in the, in the middle. Yeah, so basically the middle of the dance floor is the hotspot of the energy. There and close to the DJ, they're communicating. <laughs> These are the spots that you really need to take care to keep dancing or dancers there. Other practices can go different places. When you put in the altar, and that really de it, it depends on the space, it depends on the altar, it depends on the intention. So I know because we've been to the same place, so I can relate to what you said. That was indeed a very big elaborate altar with a lot of cushions to sit around it. Yeah. And that creates another thing. Once you put cushions, you invite people to sit. You don't invite them to dance, you invite them to sit. So you really need to see how many people are there, what the big of the space. What this kind of uh, thing creates, at the event that you were talking, and I also saw other events, so it's kind of similar like that. It creates a vortex down instead of a vortex up. Um, you go to the altar. What does it mean, vortex? For people who don't know what's vortex, what's the, what's the effect that it has on the people and on the dance floor? It stops the dance. Okay, so it just does whoop for the energy. So if you're going and you're dancing and you're close to that, you will stop to dance, you will sit, you will take a, a tarot card or you will look at the uh, crystals or you will be very much engaged with that, which is very nice for the beginning maybe, the first 20 minutes when people are entering. It's not helpful for the practice of dance or ecstatic dance doing the DJ set. Definitely not, in my eyes. Um, so what happens there, usually the altar, especially in the city, people will go there when they don't like the music, or more quickly, when the music challenges them. So the part about brave space or taking some challenges, when you actually want them, okay, take the first step and try to dance to this beat. Try to engage with this melody, try to allow the music to go into you. They have an easy way out. It's the same as talking, but talking is not allowed in study dance. It's not a practice. On mobile phones. So they will go there, and they will find something to engage themselves, and it's an easy out. That's one thing. So people who have hard time with music will go to the to to the altar in the middle and sit. Therapy. So it means if you're in a very bad mood, either you want to show it, or you just want to disappear with whatever is there. You go there. So all of that creates a very big, for lack of a better word, which is not so nice, it creates a black hole. It's a beautiful word. <laughs> black hole. In the, on the dance floor. Yeah. It can be in some places where it, it creates also a vortex up. If everybody is in a hunky-dory place and the DJ is doing a what place? Very happy. Everybody is very happy. They can go around in circles in the altar, and that's about itself. But that's very rare to happen. I've never seen it. It's <laughs> yeah, very rare to happen. <laughs> yeah, you've been more with the places with, with altars on the middle. Um, it can happen, but it's a very very rare. And don't count that it will happen. So on the main thing, that's not my uh, my favorite place to put it. Let's say like that. We've done it as well in the 
together with Sunny Dance, we had the smallest altar, it's basically candles, on, on, and you put it in the middle for the first half an hour. Also, seeing the space, because when you put something in the middle, you take a lot of space out for the dancers. So if the space is huge, and club light was huge, and in the beginning we were the 60, 80 people, you need to feel it. And doing the dance, we fell. Perfect, yeah. yeah. To put something in so it takes more space. Yeah. When the, when the dancers started to really dance, we secretly took it out. Yeah. Um, and after that, when we were with 100, 150, we, it, never, it, it was never there enough. I see something, I don't know if this was your intention as well, but I see an effect of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had a similar thing in, a, in another very big. Uh, venue, people were facing the DJ. So I said, let's put something in the middle, so would take, yeah. they would face the middle. Mm-hmm. And and the genius thing is taking it out afterwards. Yeah. So then, dances, because mm-hmm. then, and for me as a dancer, in, in those in those uh, venues and events, when the when the um, altar is in the middle, I am stressed because there's, there's glass and sharp crystals and pointy whatever candles and whatever and then also I don't want to destroy the the, the altar mm-hmm. and I don't feel comfortable to cross the space so it's, there's this yeah. the black hole or it noir uh, how do you say it noir uh, this this thing that you cannot drive through like a, yeah. a concrete you know it's it's so yeah and you said something else there that was you mentioned it a little bit but it's a really good point altars in the middle exist in ayahuasca Ayahuasca sure. ceremonies, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you said in Ayahuasca ceremony, the altar is in the middle, but then the ceremony leader, the players, the strongest energy comes from there, yeah. and they sure. generate the energy yeah. outside, yeah. and if somebody wants to process, to vomit, whatever, they go to the, sure. to the outside. So therapy room in Ayahuasca indeed, or therapy session in that sense, when people go to the... I went there a few times, like, okay, I need to therapy. You go to the, you go to light on the edges. Yeah. And the energy vortex there is very different. Yeah. It's very different. The strongest practitioner and the shaman and, and, the, and the helpers are there in the middle. People who've done it a few times, second second round. Yeah. People who've never done it usually there. And then people who actually need to process something, yeah. they go out, they do their stuff come back, good as new. Yeah. And they're not just in the middle, they're doing this. Yeah. It's, they're playing, they're energy. singing, they're creating energy out. Yeah, they're yeah. creating energy out. And that's a very different thing. But that's using uh, music in order, like the main ingredient in, in those kind of ceremonies is the therapeutic thing. Mm-hmm. And dance and music is the modalities to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. So the intention there is different. Mm-hmm. In ecstatic dance, the intention is that the modality of the dance is a practice by itself. Mm-hmm. We are here to dance. Therapy or therapeutic aspects happens by it. Mm-hmm. As a side effect, yeah. very good side effect, but yeah. as a side effect. Yeah. yeah. Um, many people say, but we love the altars. The altars are so beautiful. It's like people love them so much. Where would you put the altar? It depends on if the space. Okay. Different space, like in, in each space, it looks like if if you have a rectangle space, a round space, it needs to be a place where it's comfortable for people to sit, not usually in front of speakers or next to speakers. Usually, yeah. the speakers are in the corner, so yeah. you don't want that because the speakers takes away, mm-hmm. and also it affects the energy. Will not go there. What I sometimes call La La Land. I will not talk about La La Land now. <laughs> um, um, 
Yeah, I know you're getting curious about that. I, I was. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I see it on Ellen. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, my inv- invitation, yeah, my request, my suggestion to organizers that I work with is to have as small an altar as possible. And what I usually say is the whole dance floor is the altar. The, 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 we are the sacrifice, we are the ceremony, everything is on the dance floor. And, and yeah, I understand for some people it's easier to have candles, to have an object of, of focus. Mm-hmm. But when I do the, the opening ceremony, directly inspired by what you were saying, I'm saying whenever you have a bad moment, you don't like the song, something comes up, try to dance it out. Mm-hmm. And people come to me afterwards and say, thank you for saying that, because if you wouldn't have said it, we would have gone out to the yeah. water, toilet, phone, chit-chat, exactly. food, whatever. I'm also a minimalist, but the altar is very important, and also what you bring with that. So yeah. some places have a really uh, interactive altar, in the sense that some people bring their own stuff from home to mm-hmm. put them, mm-hmm. and that creates a connection. It's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Or some stuff that really, at the beginning of, of, the, of the set, they can choose a card, put it somewhere. We've done all of these uh, things and, and, and practices, which is very good. It goes, I remember the specific one that you were talking, that was a little bit over-elaborated, let's say it like that. So it really depends on the size of the space and the amount of people. Mm-hmm. You can also have two altars. Altars are places where people can relax, recharge, and then come back to the dance floor. It's exactly with the ayahuasca thing. It's on the side where they need to take a breath, physically, emotionally, psychology in that sense, and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in my, my point of view, it's not the center, that's not the ideal place for mm-hmm. them. Uh, also, not too close to the DJ, because everything that it has a very strong, um, I call it hotspots, any hotspots yeah. on the dance floor needs to be served for dance. There are some spots that, I, that you can put the altar because it's very, um, the altar itself is a hotspot by itself, but you can cl- clean some, uh, let's say, places in the space that are not so nice by placing it there, beautifying it there, yeah. and putting the intention of, of a sacred place there. Yeah. So, in that sense, those are usually the best place to put them. Okay. What about, so, one of the things that we're discussing now, which I hope serves, you know, ecstatic dance organizers, facilitators, ceremony leaders, DJs, if they can affect the space a little bit, is how to deepen the dance. Uh, what about lights and lighting on the ecstatic dance floor? Uh, that needs to be very, uh, first of all, professionally, because, you know, the same as music, lights affect a lot. Um, I was a minimalist, I say was a minimalist, which means nothing, <laughs> very minimalist. I changed my mind after a few sessions where it can really, really deepen the dance. Mm-hmm. You need to know what you're doing, and usually there's not a lot of places where they have a, a professional or a designated light person. Mm-hmm. For that, I mean, you have the DJ, which is very obvious. They carry most of the journey through music. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they play with lights if they know what they're doing. Great. If not, you need that. Let, let's go minimalist for a second. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so part of the people that that would uh, be watching and listening to this are people who have just started an ecstatic dance or been running it for a few months or whatever, and maybe they're not getting the the effect that they want. Maybe mm-hmm. the dance is not as deep or whatever. So what is the simplest way to create a lighting that serves the dance and the journey for ecstatic dance? 
doing um, doing the dance itself, you need a few few lights, I would say, in the sense mm-hmm. that you have the you know, classical red and blue and purple in that sense. You can switch in between. Mm-hmm. Um, you, in my eyes, you need to put it not too dark that you cannot see each other. Then it creates a, a lot of bubbles and it misses the ideas of connectivity and not too much um, light that people are self-conscious about what they're doing or being seen too much. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to see, and uh, depends on the, the size of the space, at least, let's say, five to ten meters in front of you, mm-hmm. see who's dancing there, recognize them, which means if your best friend is dancing there, you will know that they are there. Okay? Yeah. Um, so this is about the, den- the density of the light, intensity of the light. And without playing, I would not go completely not into this, you know, the, the mirror ball in that sense of, let's say that the sharp disco ball. The disco yeah. ball in the sense that the flashing lights because it takes people away from their body. Yeah. So strong music, you know, that music can bring you deep, but it can take you out. Yeah. If you if you have a very strange transition or if you have a person that is very much into their favorite music and it goes on and you cut it or put it immediately after something that is very different, they will do this. What's happening? If they trust you, they might go there. If not, we lost them. They would go out. Same with lights. If you have a very quiet light and then boom, everybody will wake up. Yeah. Some will like it. Most, from my experience, will like, what is this? And, and I have a, another take on that, a similar take on it, which is, which is this is not a club. Yeah. And once I have too much flashing lights, for me, the music, you know, ecstatic dance is the most uh, wide-ranging, creative, all-inclusive music journey. I, I don't know anything else. Uh, let me know in the comments if you if you know anything else, you know. Uh, some uh, club DJs tell me, oh, it's like I'm really, you know, I have a huge range. I go from uh, 118 to, uh, to 125, you know, BPM, like, you know. I play uh, tech house and house and techno and even you know you understand. So for me, the music is the music is very crazy, mm-hmm. and everything else needs to be stable in order for us to be. So if there's crazy lights, it's it affects me. I'm not so so relaxed mm-hmm. afterwards, and I see what it's doing for people. Yeah. Especially I see this if I forgot to do that, or if I didn't have you know the organizer's permission or whatever. During the final relaxation, the music meditation, then suddenly. I see how much it's 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 strong. Yeah. So in that sense, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You create the stability for the music to bring them in very very different direction, places, and invitation. And um, indeed, ecstatic dance is the most versatile place for music that I've ever seen or held. Yeah. yeah. So, also one of the things we are we're touching on is ecstatic dance is a is a very easy. Um, very easy event to hold and very difficult to, to hold it right. So we're talking about the what might sound like details. I'm sometimes accused of being a perfectionist. I say, this is not about perfection. This is about what's serving the dance floor. Mm-hmm. What else? What else do you see that, um, let's say, has issues in the ecstatic dance world that you would like to address? Yeah, I would say that the most important thing is your intention. Why are you doing the thing? As, a, as an organizer, as, as a an organizer, as a facilitator, as a leader, because people will feel that. People will really feel that. They will not know why they feel it. They will not know what's going on, but they will feel that. Mm-hmm. 
if you uh, like you said we are here um, to sell the dance or as agent an agent of dance mm-hmm. that was what they will feel mm-hmm. now I never say that in front I never say those words in the ceremony because I don't need to I don't want to and they might not land correctly here yeah but the way that you're doing stuff is is the most important thing also for the organizer why are you doing this mm-hmm. why are you doing this and once you know why people will come and even if you have a very uh, let's say the the, the, the log of, of the or the tree trunk of exciting dance is what we're talking about the classical there's branches there So some people want to do like ecstatic kids, ecstatic... Uh, there was so many ecstatic, there was ecstatic naked. It's like, okay, know why you're doing it. Yeah. Know why you're doing it, and then you're... And be clear, be clear that this is a theme of ecstatic yes. dance. Yeah. Ecstatic contact, ecstatic... Whatever. Know and be very, very uh, correct, authentic to yourself and to the practice, not to call some stuff ecstatic dance because it's cool, it's high, Um, it's easy to do you don't need a lot of stuff around it because then it's not the practice then you took the name same as with yoga yoga has been practiced for thousands of years and you see that in the last 20 30 40 years everything has yoga on top of it yeah I did the one week TTC I'm a yoga teacher yeah it's it's a big practice I mean I yeah people who have done it in India for 30 years, They don't need the TTC. They are embodying the practice. They are the one that needs to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the same if, if you have like a, a DJ or if you like some music and, and you're like, okay, take the time, go through some highs and lows of the practice and, and then go for it. And for facilitator as well, it's not enough <coughs> that you just say, okay, let's warm up the body. There's a lot of practice and knowledge behind what we're doing. Um, so first, respect that. Respect yourself enough to say, I need more training. Um, I need to do more, more, more of that. Even if I would not use that, and even if we would do the smallest and most simplest exercise of just walking in space, but people will feel what you have in your bagage, what you have in your pockets. So in that sense, if you really want to bring it, deeper or, or to bring something into deeper place invest in yourself and invest in the people that you're hiring or that or, or that you bring with you mm-hmm. invest in your team also space team uh, the space team is not about only filling the cups of tea in the beginning or making sure that the space is clean this is of course the ABC make sure the place is clean is very important it's not always happening as, yeah. as a person who rolls on the floor I can share with you so. that's why it's the ABC yeah. it's the, it definitely needs to be there it's not enough space team is part of the dance they're holding the space and helping the DJ and the facilitator to create this ceremony so if they're not doing that or if they're not aware what is happening in the space they're not there so space team as well if, if you if you can train a little bit their eye which not all the time is actually fun for them because when you're going into watching you're losing the experience so when I, when we were training when I was training people who, to do the ceremony with the world like, and they came a lot from the dance world or from from exciting dance you're gonna not enjoy it as much as you did so be aware when you start to make it a profession something changes yeah. and you gain a lot you 
you get a lot of insight, you get a lot of playfulness, but you also lose some part of it because you don't, you cannot switch it off. Once you cannot you see unsee or unhear. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot not be aware once you are aware to the stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So this is a good point with teams. And again, I travel a lot. I, I work with many, many different teams. You know, sometimes two, three different teams in a week. And, and one of my challenges is how do I empower them? How do I share whatever I experienced with you and with, with other really experienced uh, uh, ceremony leaders, DJs, organizers, and so on, um, in a way which is harmonious. And, and I have to say, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I mistake, and I don't do this in a harmonious way, because, you know, I, I, yeah, human relationships is is something that I'm, I'm, I'm learning. You know, as a DJ, are, yes, yeah, you know, it's uh, music is easy for me. You know, it's like it's, it comes very natural. You know, with with human relations, and. Sometimes you know a team will tell me, tell me, yeah, we do it, we do it uh, very slowly, mm -hmm. okay. And I say I understand, but we are we are starting to be late mm -hmm. for for the opening doors, and uh, and the floor is a bit dirty. Yeah. Or we just finished half an hour ago, and nothing has been done in the space. And I don't know about you, I want to go home. Yeah. You know, it's like the other people want to go home, and. So, so where is, and you know, and maybe they would say, yeah, but we are having conversations with participants, we're creating community, we're creating connection. Um, so what are some issues that you see with working with teams and how would you address situations like okay. this? Uh, it's very hard to change a community. It's also, I would not necessarily advise to come that, with that attitude, let me uh, not only share, but also change. So change happens by accepting and then sharing what you know from other places because they have not been there. Most of the people who are starting with study dance, some of them came other place, saw something, said, let's do that, change it a little bit, we'll call it like this, and we'll continue in our community. Yeah. Many times it was not even in the other place, they maybe oh, heard about it on Facebook. Or they saw, or, yeah, exactly, heard about it on Facebook, saw it on Facebook, or other places, and they start. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, you ask you it's like I've been to some places where something works better in my eyes something works a little bit less mm -hmm. can I share if they will be very hung into what they're doing it will not work mm -hmm. don't try you'll just get like and then yeah. both of you will not want to come back to the same place together in that sense and, and people need to know what you've done so and um, for example I do have some experience in this and when I come I look if they're not open to it I will not say anything, I will do my job, I know where it's needed to be changed, something I can do by myself. If not, if they're open, I will ask them to do. If not, this evening will go a little bit less than what your uh, knowledge and expectations are. Yeah. For the people who come to that venue, this is what they're accustomed to. Yeah. So I, I would, I would, just I would focus the question. Out? I would focus the question, because I want to serve specifically organizers who work with new teams or existing teams. Yes. And also the organizer is one of the most important roles yes. in the ecstatic dance yes. world. I'm a DJ and I'm so grateful to people that organize yes. and do so much work it's, behind the scenes. It's a very hard job. Yeah. We can do a shout out for a DJ that is doing that now in, in Amsterdam and preparing for Sunday. It's a very hard job. Yeah. yeah. So what would be your, your advice to them in terms of uh, working with the team, working with the Space Angels, what, what are the things to 
pay attention to? What are some common issues with team members? So in that sense, you, you really need to see if, this, if, if, the, if the aim of the team is to hold a space, depends on the size of the, of, of the space. Sometimes the ceremony with less than 30 people can hold it by themselves in that sense. So just a ceremony leader with, with no space. The space team will be enjoying the dance and serving dance by dancing. So yeah. if you have a, in your space team, you need to have also the range, which means you need a fire starter, you need a meditator, and you need a very empathic person for stuff that can happen. And they, yes, and, and they, they will come by themselves, but you need to make sure that not all your space team is a meditators because they will just sit on the dance floor and that creates an example. You need not only fire starters because they will do popcorn for everybody. So basically you need the range. Once you have that and you're aware of who's doing what role in the team, you want to see if you give them more responsibility by telling them, listen, you need to be a bit more engaged with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Not all, all of them will like it, because it means that you're giving them work instead of just allowing them to have fun. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by engaged, for example? What's, if you what's some, some stuff in the space. If some mm-hmm. people are a little bit not aware of what's happening, if some people sit in front of the speakers for more than half an hour, if some people are rolling on the floor and not aware that they're going to be stomped on, some people are going contact improvisation and, and throwing, throwing legs around. Exactly. Yeah. Talking as to, a, as to a contact improviser with exactly. people. Yeah. And kick some faces without uh, knowing what's going on. Yeah. So in that sense, those are the things that you as a facilitator or someone engage because it's your job. You need to know what's happening in the space. You need to know where everything is playing around. For the space team, a lot of the time they come there to dance. That's why they're there. They're usually volunteers. So asking them to do a job that is not all the time pleasant by saying, listen, don't do that, is hard. But they need to be a bit more aware of what's happening in the space so they can communicate that to the organizer or to the ceremony leader, yeah. not to the DJ. Yeah. Not to the DJ, yes, yeah. exactly. The DJ is there to DJ. Exactly. The DJ is the big mind, the big space, the big body. You are in charge of the bubbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's... That's the thing that you need to see um, how much of this you delegate to the space team. If you have a very strong and very um, proficient and experienced ceremony leader, they will do the job. You will not need to feel that. Mm-hmm. So you will not need too much extra people. You will need extra people as just to create the dance. They yeah. dance, they create the energy. They're, yeah. they're, they're there to really hold that. But you will not need them to um, intervene. Mm-hmm. So intervene in a conscious way by decision, this is okay, this is not okay, there's a bubble here, yeah. you do it. Yeah. There are some places where there's no... And also I do it as a DJ sometimes, when I see there's no group cohesion, yeah, you, can you know, I let go of some of my unknown songs and I, I play Bayana. Yeah. If I play Bayana or Magdalena, yes, yeah. everybody's yeah. come together. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you can do that on the big, on the big space. Yeah. Yeah. Taking care of small places, especially when it's bubbly, that's people on the dance for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some places where there is no ceremony leader, and then in that sense, it's really important to have a very strong and aware space team mm-hmm. to what's going on. Uh, some some places don't have a ceremony leader. Like yeah. There's no ceremony, or there is a ceremony. It's been done by the DJ. Ah, okay, but in, in that case, in that case, that person cannot intervene in the bubble during the during so the during dance. The, yeah. During the dance, there is yeah. no somebody who has an eye 
all the time and yeah. play with their body inside. Yeah. So in that sense, that person sets the tone and then goes into DJing. Yeah. And then the space team is supposed to basically hold the space if somebody goes into a very strong emotional release, if somebody's injured their toes, happened yeah. to us as well, if somebody if point you point you point you point yeah. point point <laughs> yeah, that's Dutch. <laughs> I love your Israeli accent with the Dutch. Yeah, Dutch uh, yeah. <laughs> so that places those places need to have a very strong and aware and capable space team. Yeah. Um, they need to learn how to what does it mean and to see if they like it. Not everybody likes it. So uh, something that, that goes in my in my mind, you know, when you're saying this is, is being a volunteer and being on the space team for ecstatic dance is a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another word that I'm not. Uh, it's it's um, it's like an honor. It's like wow, I can take ca- take part in yeah. serving such a beautiful event with such beautiful intentions, and I have a responsibility, not a right, to just dance and have fun and get a free ticket. It's like no, I am I'm here for this. Yeah. You know, and yeah, if it means that you dance less and have to, you know, clean up the the toilets, you know, that's, that's part of the job. We do it uh, together in that sense. And yes, we have a responsibility. Um, I remember in the first year we said, okay, there was one time that uh, one of the ceremony leaders said to the space meeting, we need you to hold space, and you could see the question mark. What does it mean? And then you re- and then we realized, okay. It will take some time until they realize. And it, it comes with experience. And at that point, after like a year or two, um, you really see that the space team can place themselves unconsciously sometimes in places where it's needed. And you have a, a eye contact with one, two, three, and you create some kind of a web that holds it. Um, Again, they do it by themselves because of practice and, and, and it happens. But when you're aware of what's happening in the space, when you know the why, you can say to yourself as a ceremony leader, I'm going to move there, I'm going to stand there, this is where I need to be. You know what it's needed. Um, yeah, the space team has a very, very big uh, role in, in ecstatic dance, mm-hmm. especially for big venues. Big mm-hmm. venues, you cannot do that without a, a volunteer that holds the space on a practical level, cleaning, ha- making sure that everybody's provided like a good enough space, dance floor, and tea, water, all of the physical needs, let's say, that for, for dance, so the psychological, spiritual need will be served in a good enough container. Mm-hmm. And also that the DJ can really give their gift, you because exactly. sometimes if there's a problems with the sound, problems with do it with that, like what, what I try to bring is not is not happening. Yeah. One of the things you told me that in that place is like, wow, you you brought something great, but it wasn't it couldn't work because of the, the conditions of the space. Yeah. Um, a word about DJs and your collaboration with DJs. So you're a DJ as well, but most of your work is has been for the for many, many years, I don't know, you've done thousands of ceremonies by now, like I don't know, quite over, a lot. Over a thousand, like, quite a yeah. lot. Yeah. So what is the um, some, if you don't, can talk just about the relationship and the interaction okay. between a ceremony leader and a DJ. One of, one of the things that, that uh, you provide, one of, what are the things that you need from, from the DJs? So, um, 
we used to work, we, we work with very uh, specific and also um, the DJ that come to us is not a one time off. Especially in the beginning, we had like five, six that are regular and you kind of start to get to know their style. So you tune a little bit how to set to their style, what will the crowd needs in order to get them. And you also realize on a personal level how to communicate. So some people want, leave me alone, I need to walk around in, in my cage like a lion until I explode there. And some people really like this conversation. Um, you need to know that the stitches, which means how to bring your set or, or your part as a ceremony leader to the DJs is smooth and how to pick them back from, from them. So the ending of the opening ceremony and the ending of the set is very, very delicate points. Uh, once the DJ is also aware of that, because sometimes the DJ is not aware of that as well. So the DJ will say, okay, when do I start? We'll walk out of the space and come two minutes before his set is starting. You have that as well. And then you realize, okay, he or she are not aware of the entire space and the entire practice of this. They come to give the gig. Yeah. and not as actually serving whatever is happening there. It's like a club DJ. They have this spot from this, this time until this time, you know? That's yeah. usually like that. Like DJs for ecstatic dance, because now it's not only a scene, it actually provides work and job for many people. Before, you know, 10, 11, 15 years ago, this was not a job being a DJ, ecstatic DJ. Yeah. Now it is. I know many people that this, it's the main job mm -hmm. now. So in DJ styles, for ecstatic dance specific, you can really see uh, what I call three types of DJs. You have the DJs that come from the club scene and adjust. They're very versatile with uh, technique. Uh, they, need, they need to actually learn the different kind of uh, wave styles and what, what creates a journey. You have musicians that come from the musical world and they fall in love with the versatility of ecstatic and they want to bring their gift there. And you have dancers which basically means they danced a lot, they went to the dance, saw what happened there, moved so much in and out, and they want to share that, so they now tap into music to provide that service. Some DJs have two of them together, or all three, which is very rare and it's beautiful to see because they can do the versatile technique of a club DJ, they cre create the versatility of the music, Mm -hmm. and they can know what the dancer needs inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and those people, yeah, there's like a shamanic of, of, of DJs, can really create a journey. Uh, the interaction between a ceremony leader, uh, you need to make sure that the DJ can do its job on the easiest way. So I had sometimes uh, some interaction which I learned from them. Most important thing is to give feedback about the volume not, mostly don't interfere with their job. Like don't say, I think it need now to be more a little bit like on the, this BPM or that BPM. They're on a journey, respect them also as artists because you invited them to your venue, if you're also the organizer. Um, I had a few times that I learned by mistakes also with other people that I told them, I think the, the crowd needs that they changed to that music. Total disaster because it didn't, it, it didn't, it was not in coherence with where the DJ was. Yeah. So then I learned by mistakes or by learning by, by fire to only communicate about the volume, bass, middle, treble, and, and, and highs, 
and that's it. Volume too high and too low, I guess. Yeah, and to ask them how do you want or how do you start your set, so you can know how to bring them in. Usually a set starts quite low, so you know how to bring them in, and to be very clear when the set is over. So you're there way before it's over to really catch the people or sense it. Yeah. I mean, you're there the entire journey usually, but definitely those are the points where you really need to, okay, a stitch is coming, let's see how we do it as smooth as possible. Yeah. Well, there's so much, and even in this conversation, I'm, I'm getting, I'm hearing things that I didn't hear before and didn't consider before, so thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, before we finish, just tell, tell us more about the training that you're part oh, yeah. of, That's what true. you're offering, the uh, website, everything. Yeah, so what we are offering is, is a group it's called the, the Heart of the Dance. We used to call ourselves the Heart of Ecstatic Dance because we really aim to bring it from here. It's not about it, it's about really an inside and inward and outside journey. And this is with Caroline and Leon. And we are doing a training usually twice a year to you know, facilitate her to create ecstatic dance. People who really want to understand what's behind or under the hood, mm -hmm. uh, organizer, facilitator, and DJs. Um, in next October, which will be very soon on our website, um, we're doing kind of an alumni retreat. So the people who came to our trainings, and everybody who wants also wants to come. Like an advanced, next level. Uh, it's thing. to share, it's not only advanced, it's not only training. This is like, a, we share a lot of uh, teaching of our own practices, which sometimes does not go into specific ecstatic dance, but you can take some parts from that and infuse that in different ecstatic dances um, and to meet each other. So this will be in October and it will be soon on the website. Uh, apart from that, um, yeah, I do my own stuff, which is basically... Uh, what's, what's the website of the uh, Heart of Dance? Heart of the Dance, or Heart of Ecstatic Dance. If you Google Heart of Ecstatic Dance, you will find us, or Heart of the Dance. And we're also now in uh, wish and communication to create a, a bigger platform to bring much more of conscious dance, which is a much bigger umbrella, which is study dance falls under that, um, into uh, practice. Oh, now I'm, now I'm intrigued. Yeah. This is still in the making. Okay. So conscious dance, which is different than, than ecstatic dance? Like ecstatic. It's a bigger umbrella. We call it okay. a bigger umbrella. A lot of practices falls under that idea of conscious dance. Ecstatic dance is, of course, one of them. Uh, dance improvisation, content improvisation, mm. uh, five rhythm. A lot of practices can fall under that bigger umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, and to see what we, what we bring there. Mm -hmm. And uh, your work as a, as a contact improv teacher, which I experience and, and love and appreciate very much. Just a few words about that. Mm, yeah, uh, the classes, uh, I have weekly classes in Amsterdam, mm -hmm. which are coming now to an end. Because mm -hmm. We're going for a summer vacation. Mm -hmm. And then I'm giving a workshop in Cologne in July. So you're doing workshops and retreats around Europe yeah. and sometimes other places. Yeah. And that you can find on my website, which is just my name, Tom Goldhand. You'll find that. All right. Thank you for the publicity. I'm very bad at it, so you're happy. You're very good at that, and you're just getting better. That's, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the idea. Yeah. That's good. Well, thank you for so much for sharing this. Uh, I, again, I, I learned myself, and I got inspired. And, uh, yeah, I hope that it uh, inspires also organizers, DJs, uh, facilitators to, yeah, with, to, to consider some of the things that, that you shared. 
and uh, maybe some dancers or people that didn't come yet to ecstatic dance to, to try what is this uh, amazing practice. Well, that will be great. So I had lots of fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, welcome. So if you have a follow-up question, uh, please uh, post them on, on whatever social media channel that you will see that. And um, I would say, yeah, to the listeners and the viewers, if you're inspired, you know, take action, organize, uh, organize a dance, um, get some people, get some friends together, put some, uh, put some uh, um, uh, journey from SoundCloud for the beginning. And, and yeah, I'm sure we, there's a lot of resources to uh, mm -hmm. deepen that. Thank you. See you on the dance floor. See you on the dance floor. Mm.